Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Angelina. And welcome to Talk 40 to Me. We're having all the candid conversations you'd have with your bestie. Join us as we unpack life in our 40s and all the questions that led up to this next chapter. Hi, everyone. This is Brandy. And this is Angelina. Welcome to another episode of Talk 40 to Me. We are so excited to have our next guest on deck. This is Erin Campbell, and she is someone that I want to be when I grow up. Erin <laughs> is just a brilliant marketer, executive leader, friend, and I just can't say enough great things about her. So I'm going to turn it over and let Erin share a little bit about her with you. Oh, Brandy, thank you. Well, I'm so excited for both of you. I love the idea of doing a podcast and just getting on and talking about 40 women problems and doing things that nobody else are, are brave enough to do. So good for you guys. Thank you so much. We're stoked. Really, this is so much fun. We're building the plane as we fly it too. Right. <laughs> That's a great, great experience. Thanks for the, the intro. Um, that was really sweet. Yeah. So I, I am a, a seasoned marketer have about, gosh, do I want to do the math even maybe close to 20 years of experience. What? Whoa, whoa. That is a little humbling right there. Um, okay. <laughs> But through my marketing, I've been on the agency side. Now, most recently, I'm on the brand building side, but I've really carved out this really interesting niche of behavioral science, decision science, how we make decisions, why we make decisions, what are our underlying drivers, but specifically across the generations. So have had the opportunity to become a generational expert. I got to educate over 800 retail executives on the millennial generation and how to bring their physical retail into the 21st century and at the time um, appeal to the most desired target market, which was the millennials. And unfortunately, that's not us anymore, ladies. We are not the new kids on the block and it's the Gen Zers. And so I had the opportunity to do the same thing on the Gen Z side and now the brand that I co-founded and developed is ironically called Gen Z, which is a disruptive, sustainable water brand bottled in aluminum water bottles that are resealable, refillable, and infinitely recyclables. Yes. And today we are going to be talking about cuspers, where we are, millennials, Gen Z. We thought that this was super fitting just because our episode is Talk 40 to Me. Angelina and I just turned 40 and she's come to terms with this situation. I have not, but it's the situation. I waffle. I waffle. Sometimes I'm empowered and sometimes I am in utter dismay. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're so grateful that Erin's on board uh, with this episode, not only just as a friend and fellow 40 year female leader, but also someone in this space who has studied these generational differences. So I think today's going to be a really fun chat. It's going to be great. I'm excited. So how's everyone's week going? Today's Thursday, right? <laughs> no, it's Wednesday. Ah, oh, GC. There's yeah. Y'all want to know how my week's going? That's it. Oh my gosh. My husband and I just had a debate on whether or not our youngest was starting school in seven days or six days. And he kept saying it's six days and he starts next Wednesday. And I was like, is today Thursday? Like, how about <laughs> I lost a day. So he was wrong. You were right. That's the important point. That's the point <laughs> to know. Yes. I am right for <laughs> once in math. When school starts, it's the point Brandy was right and her husband was wrong. Yeah. I mean, one day he'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> my husband already knows this. I'm a Enneagram eight and I'm a Taurus. I am stubborn AF and I am still right when I am wrong. Damn it. That's right. And you've got to be, are you a wing seven? <sighs> I'm actually a wing two. Oh, really? I'm a helper. Speaking of Enneagram, you can only wing on the adjacent numbers, but you may, you may be heavy too, too. So maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Yeah. What are you? I am a six wing five. So I'm the loyalist and like all the information. Maybe this You're a six too? Erin, <gasps> <laughs> have we ever discussed this? 
I think so one time over coffee and, and I remember calling our other mutual friend and being like, Brandy is so much like me. We always think the world is going to end. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about en- the Enneagram, which is a personality test that you can take. If you Google Enneagram test, you can do it for free online. I think we're probably going to have a whole episode on this because right. it's help. It's mind blowing. It really is. I think it's so helpful in the workforce. It's helpful with your, you know, friends and family life. Um, My husband hasn't taken it yet, but I already could tell you what he is. And I, Mm -hmm. I figured, you know, when you know someone that well, but it's so funny that you guys are both sixes. Mm -hmm. And I bet you're a wing five too, Brandy. I don't remember my wings. Well, wing five or fives like all the information. Oh, maybe that sounds about right. It does. Sounds fitting. Is there an organizational wing? That's a good question. (laughs) That would be be Brandy. But um, I digress. Back to our week. For me, my kids are going to go back to school next week. So we have school supply drop off and orientation. That's already happening. That feels so fast. I mean, and talk about being 40 and how time just feels like it flies and compresses. And I heard a really sad stat. The reason is, is because a year progressively becomes a smaller percentage of our life every year. So that's why it... (laughs) I spy. Oh, <laughs> That's <God>. really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful, Erica. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But that's why our summer felt like basically happened in a week. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go lay down and die now. This is just, that's it. I mean, what's left, you know? <laughs> Honest truth. I mean, well, I, there's, there's a testament to living life to the fullest, you know? I think we had watched Brady and I, we watched a reel this week and Mel Robbins. The first thing she said was you will never be younger than you are in this moment. Yes. And I was like, huh, how about that? But I wish we could tell Gen Zers that advice. I know. If you, what you wish you would have known, which that's a later question in this episode, but how is um, your week, Erin? What's on your plate? Well, you know, I just, I came back from vacation, um, last week and Monday was just doing all the catch up and it was just you know, you have these expectations of going on vacation, feeling rest and restored, and this desire to want to come back, mm-hmm. jumping at the bit, ready to go, but it never happens. Like, I just need more vacation when I have vacation. And all that happiness and stress relief just kind of dissolves the moment work starts on Monday again. So it's a way of, a way of life. But I, I, I tell my, my seven-year-old, I said, you got to have the mundane and the norm and the bad to appreciate the good or the vacation. The good. But yeah, it's not fun coming back after a vacation. It takes me like a good week to get back in the groove of motivation. Yeah. I'm taking a picture of our screen for our stories. Woo-hoo. We can tag you. Like, look at us working on our podcast. Great. That's great. Are you okay with that, Erin? Or what? No, no makeup. <laughs> the, the real world. Yeah. Your skin looks gorgeous, I know though. it does. I don't know what you're... You don't need makeup. <laughs> like glowy. It must be your post-vacation glow. There's a ring light. There's some help here. <laughs> what about you, Bay? How's your week? It's good. Nothing, nothing to report. It's pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> <laughs> we we are finally installing uh window coverings in our house. So that way hashtag adulting. The rest of the world doesn't have to look in my house. I know when I was staying with her, I'm like, so I shouldn't walk across the house in my underwear. Got it. (laughs) Good. Just be prepared for the consequences. Yeah. So for anyone out there, we just moved in a house. Not just. I mean, it was late April. Um, Yeah, it's taking us this long to get settled in. Yeah, all is well. The kids are super excited to start school. Our youngest is starting kinder this year. So he's just asking every day how many days are left. Is he? He's like ready. Mine are not ready. Oh, Gar- little Garrett's been saying, "Hey, when does school start? I'm ready to get back." <laughs> he doesn't want to do the work, but he's just—I think he's ready for routine. He is a child who thrives off of routine, likes routine, and we've kind of had him shifting in all kinds of different areas. So I think he's ready to get back to it. That makes sense. I get it. I mean, I'm ready too. As much as I was ready for school to be over, I'm kind of ready. Yeah. For us to get back into a groove. I'm not ready for the early mornings and the rushed getting ready and inevitable yelling to get us out the door, but. Oh my gosh, y'all. So Easton, 
I went upstairs to get the boys this morning to wake them up and Easton like flips open the covers and then jumps out of the bed like jazz hands almost fully dressed. <laughs> little Garrett slept in his room and I'm like Easton how did you get dressed if you just woke up and little Garrett said oh he he changed last night so he was in pajamas and he changed after we put him to bed into his clothes for the day so that way he could just get moving ready to go smile on his face. Elijah did the same thing last week, like the exact same thing. Like I went to get him and he was in his summer camp clothes, like right. He's like, look, it saves me time. Like, Where did they get these ideas? I didn't put that in his head. I had that idea in, I think, middle school. And my mom told me no, because we had uniforms (laughs) and my mom like crisped them with. Oh, yeah. The pleats. The pleats had. Yeah. So I was not allowed to. Can't wrinkle that skirt, girl. And the shirt was like. You could hear it crack. She had it so, <laughs> so much starch. So much starch and like just super iron. Anyway, we're getting off track. Let's talk about cuspers. Brady, I think there's something here. There's like, we have become this generation of hustle and hyper efficiency. Are we passing this on to our kids? Are they going to embrace it or are they going to reject it? It's going to be interesting. It sounds like your two kiddos are going to be like, how can we work smarter, not harder? Yeah. Right. I'm with you. And then this, we're technically cuspers. So you want to know some of the, the names? Yeah. We're known for. Yep. Xennial. So kind of Gen X and millennial. Okay. And I'm sure, I don't know if people know this, but the, the bookends of a generation are always blurred. Like if you go to McKenzie versus if you, if you go to Deloitte, they're all going to have different start and stop dates, but they're generally a 15 year, um, a 15 year time span. So for millennials, it could be anywhere from 79 to 81, um, all the way up to call it 94 to 90, 96. So there's customers on the other side as well and called Zennials. But exennials, um, there's a horrible term, ladies, you're just going to love this, that, that were called geriatric millennials. Oh, seriously? Seriously, yeah. I've heard that one. I'm like, that's, that's offensive. Right, I know, we're not geriatric. And then a, a more endearing one is we're the Oregon Trail generation. You know, we're the ones who remember dying of typhoid. <laughs> our- <laughs> right? <laughs> it really is. And it's, it's so... I, it, I'm glad that we're talking about this because it always bugged me that I never felt like I fit into the definition of a millennial and our age bracket really doesn't. And so you're saying you can have cuspers in any generation. In any generation, the bookends are likely going to be cuspers where you are going to have the identity or the inputs of both of your kind of sandwich generations where, you know, we remember a time without the internet, like the Gen Xers, but social media became part of our life, you you know, late college, young adult, and that's still a really informative time. So we can relate to both sides. And and what I always tell people in I'm, I'm actually relate more to the millennial generation, whether it's just a desire to feel like I'm younger, I don't know what that is, but cuspers can feel either really isolated or they can really just identify with either their higher generation or their lower generation, depending on their values, opinions, and kind of just belief sets fascinating to me. It really is. I know. I love, I mean, obviously I love generational insights and what forms a generation and and why we're that way. It's just, it's just goodness. So a big part of our generation, and I think you can expand on this is that we, we were the first one to know life before the internet and social media, correct. And then we grew through it. Correct. So like what, you know, how, how does that change, you know, future generations? What does that look like for us? Yeah, I think we're still, I think we're still kind of writing the playbook on that because we're going to be one of the first people who have kind of lived our formal life and, and um, brought it to life on, on social along with social's evolution. You know, we have Instagram that was, is very curated, is very stylized. I mean, I would even call it, it's the millennial app um, where it's more aspirational. It's more controlled lifestyle. Um, everything that we have been as a millennial generation been, been become to be known for the millennial pink, 
the the kind of hyper influencer. And so it's going to be interesting to see how we age through it. Obviously, Gen X has started to age, but but are we going to evolve as the app evolves? Are we going to evolve as ideals evolve? Are we going to be transparent about aging, about our um, cosmetic procedures that we get? Are we going to be willing to set positive and realistic expectations for the upcoming generation? It will be interesting. But then you reflect that to the, the TikTok, which I would say is, is more your, your Gen Z generation. And it's about authenticity. It's about, it's more crude of the moment, real time. Um, and that reflects who they are at, as a generation. It's a way to, to kind of mobilize and, and activate and kind of share their voice in a real, raw, real, real way. Your TikTok for your brand is hilarious, by the way. Thank you. Well, the, the secret is, is you give it to a Gen Zer and you let them loose. And I, I actually, I think it's a, that sounds so simple, but from Brandy, you're going to know. I mean, brand standards, you want to keep control. You want to approve everything. You want to ideate and make sure. And that's just, if, you, if you're going to do that, you're going to be dead before you've even started on TikTok because that's the thing. Trends on Instagram, man, they may live a couple of days, even a week. Trend on TikTok can be gone in 12 hours. There's no approval time. TikTok stresses me out completely. <laughs> it gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happening right now with this TikTok. How do people find these trends? There, There's some generational insight in there. I mean, that's making us feel out of touch. It's making us probably feel old. Like we're not the cool ones who are explaining technology to the adults anymore. No, we're learning from them, which is so interesting. I mean, there is there is a level of reciprocal mentoring that I grew up with in the agency world where there's things that younger generations brought to, I'd say older generations. No one, I mean, rarely ever is anyone like really truly older in the agency world, but there was this, this connectivity of working with each other and collaboration and now, but there, there was very much a level of mentoring from the top down. And it's so interesting, the shift in social media that it's ever changing almost by the day that you not only have these subject matter experts, but these subject matter experts are very young and they are teaching us so much about the shift in where social media is going, or at least from my perspective. And I would say even where life is going. I mean, I think one of the key differences, Angelina, that you mentioned is, is we knew a time before the internet, before smartphone phones, before social media, and we know the time after. Gen Z doesn't. So, so they grew up with the technology in their hands and therefore they're, they're incredibly empowered. They're incredibly informed. They're incredibly connected and they understand the life cycle of how, how of information and how it's dispersed. And so I think because of that, yes, they're on the cutting edge of technology, but I mean, they do not, not research something. I mean, they know they can type in a couple of words, not even to Google anymore that, Hey ladies, that's not the, that's not the search destination anymore. It's TikTok. So I know I'm sorry (laughs) to tell you that Google is out. (laughs) My kids are, they use Alexa for everything. Oh, isn't, oh man, talk about voice and how that's going to transform a generation in this like always on demand, almost dominion over this figure that our our, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-old children have. I mean, that I, I can't wait to see how voice develops for generation alpha, which that's what our kiddos are, our, our generation alpha. Oh, wow. For real? Yeah. Yeah. They they I think they stopped getting creative. I didn't even know that's what it was called. But I remember y'all know the carousel of progress in Disney World. I remember watching that as a kid, like in the 80s, early 90s, and Walt Disney's vision of what the future was like. And they were talking to someone on their TV. They called someone on the television, what we now know is like FaceTime. And then they were video gaming with like VR headsets and stuff. And I remember thinking, there is no way, no way. And then he was controlling the oven with voice control. And I remember that blowing my mind as a kid, like that will never be in my lifetime. That's so ridiculous, but we're there. This has happened. I know. So what is going to, what's going to be the next 20 years? I can't even imagine. I don't know. And that being said, like you're talking about our, our kids and how they're, you know, utilizing technology. How do you parent in this age? And like, do you allow your kids on social? Do you allow them to embrace technology? 
that's such a great question. I was looking around for a book, but I actually think it's in my bathroom where I read, not on the toilet, uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, you know, to each their own. I mean, I'm TikToking when I'm on the toilet. Come on. I mean, not <laughs> filming, I'm watching. That's yeah. I'm Let's be honest. We all are. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that is such a loaded question. I mean, I would love to hear from you guys too, because I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, I, I think it's a constant struggle. We've had this time with our son. We have an only child and a son, seven years old, loves video games. And I, I you know, we do everything we can to, to set limits. We put parental controls in. We have time time limits for weekdays, weekends. Um, and, you know, we collectively try to keep screen time under two hours. Um, I say we're probably pretty successful on the weekdays, forget about weekends. So no, no, no parental shame there. We're all trying to do the best we can. And so I, I get it. I mean, I remember my mom was like, oh, those parents who let their kids look at the iPhone at a, a restaurant. I'm like, mom, that may be their only time that they have adult conversation. Like just really being able to release the shame and all of us understanding technology of how it can allow us to kind of have those adult moments, I think is okay. But from limits, man, that is this so hard. So the book I was looking for is a digital detox and it's terrifying because it's a two week digital detox for the whole family. And so I'm going to read it. We're going to do it. My son is dying that I forget and are hoping I forget and we don't do it. <laughs> I, I just want, I think the importance is, is we both, all of us, like we separate ourselves from technology. So our brain is allowed to be bored. It is allowed to imagine it, it isn't constantly being fed information. So it is allowing it to kind of work and wonder. And, and I think that is actually my biggest fear for the upcoming gen generations that they're going to constantly be inputted into instant gratification. They're going to have the stimulus. So their brain will become lazy and fat almost, but just, I, I think Gen Z knows they know the harm of social media. So you're, you're meeting more and more Gen Z years that, yeah, I don't have social media accounts. Or yeah, I mean, they're doing social media and digital detoxes um, um, led. So I think that's interesting. I, from a parent side, I had this aha moment. I had told my son to do a 30 minute time uh, timer for roadblocks. I, I'm sure you guys are familiar mm -hmm. and he forgot to put the timer on and I come in an hour later and he's still playing. And I had a moment as a mom, do I get mad at him and shame him, which obviously that we know shame what um, usually comes natural when we're mad, but we don't want to shame our children because that does more harm than good. Or I could see what this technology was made for. And he was simply a victim of the technology's objective. And, and so as 40 year olds, if we can't even accurately regulate our social media usage, how in the world would I ever expect a seven year old to do it? If that's exactly what the technology was made to do was to engage his brain and, and keep him on it. So I think one, as parents, it's like recognizing that it's not our kiddos fault, that they want to play and they want to watch and they want to partake. That is, they have psychologists at Facebook, at, at TikTok, that these video games that are literally programming these things to maximize usage time, because that's how you're more likely to see more ads. And that's how they make the Gosh, money. This is so fascinating. And, and it's such a great it's perspective crazy. that I never thought about before this conversation. Yeah, I'm really glad that you pointed out you know, if we can't regulate it in our 40s, like how do we expect our kids to? And it it made me think of the the social network, the Netflix documentary, yes. which is when you really think about it and you watch that, it's insane that psychologists are, like you said, working behind the scenes to maximize our usage time. That's crazy. I know. So I do think as our, our, our parents, it is our responsibility to put those safety guards in because they are cognitively not able to at, at, at their, their age. So it is our responsibility to safeguard. I think where it just becomes overwhelming is then we have to get involved in the tech. We have to figure out how to put these parental limits on. And I don't know about you guys, but that sounds exhausting. I usually um, get my younger brother to help me figure out how to do all of this. So we use something. Another friend of ours told me about an app called Bark. Yeah. And we use that and you, you connect it through your phone and your laptop to your child's device. And um, it actually will alert you if, if there's discussions that meet certain parameters, it'll, you know, monitor their different app usage. And so I've, I've, I've liked it so far. It'll even pull stuff out of text messages if it thinks it's, oh. you know, bullying and yeah, depressive behavior, anything like that. And so far it's, 
it hasn't been anything alarming, right? It'll be like my son texting and saying like, my throat hurts, <laughs> which, I, which he's texting me, but it pulls certain things, you know? So, so far it's been good. That's great. I think we need to, we need to talk. I need to talk to you, Angelina, about when is that my seven-year-old's already asking for a phone. And I mean, obviously the answer is no, but what, what's that tipping point and kind of what's the why behind it. And I know it's going to be different for every family, but I'm curious how, how do you make that answer? Cause we haven't had to, that choice. We haven't had to navigate that yet. I don't know. I mean, my oldest, most of his friends have a phone majority of them do. And he's only 11, but I just told him, no, you know, you have your iPad. That's his connectivity device. He can message his friends so he can still be in touch. I said, until you're like traveling somewhere where there's not another parent or something, I would really like to hold out to eighth grade, which would be two more years. That would be my goal. And you know, what's interesting. And I don't know, maybe this is where it's going to, I'm going to show my crazy at that time. I'm thinking, and obviously I don't have a 13, 14, 15 year old nagging me for the smart smartphone. So I could easily give in at that time, but I'm like, I don't need you to have complete access to the internet unsupervised. So can we go to a dumb phone? Like, can I just get you a phone? that can call and text and therefore it's the safety mechanism, but I haven't just opened you up to the whole world of the internet, which is probably more dangerous than any other part of our life. But I don't know. What do y'all think? Am I the only one thinking? We bought our oldest who is eight, about to be nine over Christmas, a um, TikTok watch. And the reason for that is because He's out and playing and I want to be able to see where he is. I want to be able to call him if I need to reach him. And I want him to be able to call us or have, an, a, have a way to have some kind of an emergency line in case of something happens. It is completely parent monitored and we're able to literally watch where he is. So uh, we can do call as a voice. We can do text. And then we have specific numbers that he can call and it's all done through the app for the actual watch. And a lot of other families I've heard uh, use Gab watches for us. He keeps asking for a phone too. And we're like, you don't need a phone. There's no reason for you to have a phone. You have your watch. If there's an emergency, you can call us. If you need to touch base with us, you can. And I want to even say that there's no games on this watch either. Hmm. So Really functional. It's very functional. And you can even like track your physical activity and there's other things that you can do, but we have found that to be a good balance for us. It just makes me nervous sending him out outside and playing and not feeling like I can reach him or he can reach us in the event that there's something needed. So there's been times where we'll send him a quick text saying, Hey, we're coming to pick you up and get your things ready. But for me, it was just more of, he doesn't need a phone right now, but I want a way to get in touch with him. And I want a way to track him. There's just too much in this world that freaks me out that I, I need some level of connectivity with him, but also allowing him to feel like he can do as he, as he gets a little bit older. Do you want me to go generational insight on you? Yes. Of course. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get the, the, the story wrong, but the general idea will be there. I think it was 79 or 80. Uh, I mean, before that parenting was very free range. I mean, that's where you hear. And back in my day, I, I mean, my mom will be like at five, I walked to the library and, and my parents had no idea where I was as long as I was home by dinner, but there was a moment in 79 or 80 where I think it was in New York. So again, this is where the details get fuzzy that there ended up being a lot of like kidnapping and murders, I think with everyone. And it was like overnight, the, the, the revolution of parenting freeness shifted so, so it went from free range to, to helicopter, if I can use really kind of very general or very stereotypical terms around the 79 or 80s. But if you look at the data statistically on violent events, it's actually gone down. Um, but as a society, a parental society, we now have changed, generational society, we have changed in how we parent simply because of those moments and then the perception of unsafeness that is exaggerated by the media and then amplified by social media. So it, it, again, there's generational shifts, even as we age, something's gonna happen. I mean, the pandemic is going to shift how we have parented. Um, so there's not, it's not like from zero to 22, your d- generation is is defined. We are, 
being continually defined by key moments that happen in, in our life. And, and I think you guys can already probably see the effects of how you parent differently, of how you guys engage in time differently, because you as a 40-year-old experience pandemic with school-age children. So it, it's it's that's what's so fascinating about generations. It's these key moments of time that can that can just shift us forever. And it, so I guess a lot of it is like we're just there's so much information out there that our parents just didn't have. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. Our parents didn't know about the kidnapping that happened in Indiana. Right. We instantly know about, we some might even get an Amber alert that makes us think about it more often, more consistently. And therefore we feel the world is foreboding. And, and Brittany, I feel the same way. I mean, we talked about it. I'm a six wing five, so it, it is all the time, but it, that's where it's like emotion versus reason and, and logic and data, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know how many times people say you're more likely to die in a car versus an airplane. But every time I get on an airplane, I know that data, but I know that fact, but I'm still nervous. Yeah, totally. Wow. I mean, God, I just love this conversation. I'm like, just so energized by this conversation, although also freaked out a little bit. I saw that. You were like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Moving on to another topic that Angelina and I discuss all the time. And Erin, I don't know if you have experienced this personally. Um, and if there's maybe anything that you research wise that you may you may have in terms of your experience and knowledge, but we have found that what's really interesting is like our parents' generation, there was a lot of things that weren't discussed and a lot of things that aren't shared, even in how maybe some parents, I don't know, I can't say for all, but how potentially some parents was really uncomfortable about talking about sex with their kids, intimacy, your menstrual cycle, breastfeeding. And as we have had kids in our small group of friends, you know, it took one of us to just be very open about their experience with, with breastfeeding. And then another person in our group, like there's four of us. So another person would then talk about it. And, and when it came time for me to have kids, I'm like, oh, I have all of these, these women who I can tap into and who have helped me to, to understand that every single person has had a different experience in that you're not alone. And now you're seeing more people talk about things on social media. Is there, is there any kind of insight from your perspective or just even personally, professionally that, that you have seen in terms of how people are becoming more comfortable with sort of those faux pas subjects? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it feels like colloquially and directionally. Yes. I mean, I think we're just, there's this, at least from my standpoint, I'm like, if I don't get to my son first, the internet will, and I don't trust the internet to be a reliable source or a friend who has access to the internet will, will get to him first. And I mean, I think we all can look back on our childhoods and say, man, that wasn't discussed. And therefore I did not develop a healthy perspective on that, or I was unprepared for that. And, and so, you know, and I would, I would kind of, I don't know if it's comfortable for us, but we still do it. Like my son talks about death a lot. And I think, you know, the old boomer way would have been like, oh, don't worry about it. And then that actually creates this ideal in, or this idea in him that he shouldn't be feeling this way, or he doesn't know how to process these thoughts. So instead, even though it's scary and uncomfortable for me to talk about my death with him, we sit with it and we say, yeah, buddy, that those are really big feelings. Those are really scary. I don't have an answer for you. And um, so he can start to process that one, he's normal to, to, to feel this way. And two, that even adults feel this and don't have the answers and to acknowledge that it is scary versus not talking about it and suppressing it because it's uncomfortable for us. And then raising a generation that doesn't know how to deal with fear and anxiety and the unanswered questions of life that we were not, were not equipped to process, which is probably why we're more anxious and depressed than our parents were. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it's a, it's a, Interesting thought. And I, I think just going back to as a, as a generation and how we have an opportunity to set the stage of how we age in, in, in this current time, I think being really bold about things like, I mean, guys, we're, we're rounding the corner to, to perimenopause. We're rounding the corner oh. to menopause. And 
and talk about something that I don't think previous generations have spoken about. I mean, that was the time when women expired, when women were not worthy anymore of, of the societal, a place in society and that they were dismissed by um, health providers that this is just the way it is and were made a butt of a joke. Well, how can we be brutally open about it so we can get the help we need so we can feel like we're not cast cast offs from the society? Because I think, you know, I don't know about you, but once my kid is in college, I'm ready to be a contributing member of society. I don't want to be just unworthy anymore, you know? So I, I think it's a big calling for us. And I think people have already started trailblazers have started it. There's a, a whole new category on perimenopause products. People are leaning into it. I mean, but you know, we got a lot of work to do. I hate, I hate that, that we're here, but like you make a good point is just for our parents' generation. It was just, okay, well, you know, you're in your forties now you're pretty much done, you know? <laughs> Your life's, you're all downhill from here, you know, but I think, you know, for us, so many of us, your forties. And I, I remember my aunt distinctively telling me this probably 20 years ago that her forties were the best years of her life. And I remember when she told me that I was like, right. Okay. But now that I'm here and I'm in this season of my life, I, I get it. And for, at least for me, my kids are a little bit older. So that's helping that they're getting more independent and but i think the biggest shift for me anyway has been being comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. and not worrying oh. so much about what other people think we spent so much time doing that when we were younger that that would be like the one thing if i and i and i remember i told my 19 year old godchild this i'm like if i could give you any advice at all it's like be you you do you be in your own skin enjoy your life and don't worry so much about what everybody thinks about you. I mean, obviously in a work situation, we still need to worry about what those people think, right? In terms of, you know, performing in a work environment, but worrying so much about what your peers think about your outfit or where you're going and what you're eating. It's just, it's, it was exhausting. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not past that. I'm struggling so much just with my body post kids and I still can't accept it. But I think the conversations that we're having helps one to process and helps one to like really think about how do you continue to be more comfortable in your own skin? It's hard. I mean, it is time, Brandy. It is hard. It is hard. And I think, I mean, Brandy, be, you know, kind to yourself because we're, we're, we're in a society that has wired us to seek our value and our worth based off of our appearance, especially as women, especially as aging women who have, we just told us, you know, we have been told we're castaways after a, a certain age. So, I mean, you're, you're not fighting against yourself. You're fighting against the system. So it's not easy to do. And I think you're right. Conversations awareness. is the first way to start to dismantle some of these um, just unrealistic, unfair values or, you know, um, societal expectations uh, of ourselves, because that's that in a way, like, you know, how they're distracting us from doing more important things. And I don't like it. I don't like that. They're kind of winning the game on that, but well, and my husband, he's like, I think you look amazing. Like just always talking about how great I look and how beautiful I am. And I'm like, but it's not, it's not you. It's me. It's the way I feel about myself. And no matter how much love he pours into me, it's still an insecurity that I have. And I don't know, it's just society has this lens of perfectionism. Not that I'm worried necessarily about how other people view me. It's just more about how I'm viewing myself. Like I have not met the standard, the expectation that I have for myself. But where do you think that expectation comes from? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming just, I think social media has made it amplified. And I think Angelina and I had talked about this a while back. I've had to stop following certain influencers because it made me feel more insecure about myself because I'm like, oh, well, if I work out a little bit harder, if I do this, like, not that I've ever gone to an unhealthy state, but at the same time, it's like, I can't live up to that. And, and this makes me feel less than the way I should feel about myself. So I have to stop following this person. 
And I think that's so wise. And I think we go back to kind of how you regulate social media and how you need to think about it for your kids. Like even, even my son, I said, how do you feel like notice your, 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 your energy level right now. Notice how your emotional state. Once I ask you to turn off the TV that you've been watching or notice how you feel after you've been scrolling, like just make that moment of awareness of, do I feel energized and inspired or do I feel depleted and insecure? And I think that moment of, of energy awareness, and then your braveness, your braveness to be able to say, this isn't good for me. It is what we, we all need to probably, you know, kind of call ourselves on. And you're so right. Angelina and I had this conversation, what, probably a year ago that when our kids get too much TV time, their personalities or any kind of technology time, their personalities Mm -hmm. completely change. They don't want to do anything They're at least for mine, they get very fussy, very whiny. They want to just lay around on the TV, like lay around on the sofa or around the house. They don't want to get out. And just last weekend, they watch TV for a couple of hours in the morning and it was like, okay, guys, let's, let's go. And it was just a fight, such a struggle to, I mean, my youngest had meltdowns and I'm like, you're too old for meltdowns. You're five, you're almost six. And when we left the house and we started doing things, their personalities completely changed back to, you know, just being normal kids. And so that was a huge aha for me at some point when I noticed how much their personalities had changed. So I, I ask ever, I said, ever, how are you feeling right now? How are you acting right now? And then I, if you can't, I'm like, you feel angry to me. I wonder why you're angry. And I'm very open with him that this is how the technology was wired. The technology was created. Like I, I tell him, so he understands that it, it, again, it was meant, it was wired for you to do this way, but look at how it's making you feel. So, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to bring that awareness to him young, because I think that's the first step for us as well to know we're not a failure if we want to spend two hours on TikTok or on Instagram, because that is exactly how it was done. And then the awareness for how do I feel when I'm done? Was it valuable in my life? So yeah, I think that awareness and bringing that awareness young to our children to understand it's not your fault. And is it the best for you right now? I'm totally implementing that. That's the best advice I've heard in a long time. Like asking my kid, how do you feel? So that you really make them focus on- Self-awareness. Right. Because I think our first instinct is to say, you're being difficult. You need to stop. This is not okay behavior. You know, our first is to correct it rather than say, help them recognize it and then work towards the change. Wow. I feel like we could talk about this for hours. And so Erin, I'm sure we're going to ask you to be a part of our conversation again, but let's go ahead. And uh, on that note, such a great takeaway and so many relevant areas that we could just kind of branch off and have these more in-depth discussions. I really don't want to stop talking. However, we do need to move into our next segment, Angelina. Uh, Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So this is um, stemmed from Brandy and I over the years in the middle of a conversation. One of us would be like, well, let me tell you something. I have something to tell you. So this is just anything that is prevalent in your brain right now that you're like, you're loving. It could be something fun, something you're watching, something you're doing, consuming. Something new. Anything, anything from like pop culture to beauty, to books, to a podcast or a food, really like anything that you're into. So we each like to share like that for the week. So Erin, since you are our guest, we're going to let you share first. Okay. Well, I love to read that as we already mentioned, my reading destination is the bathtub. Um, but because I was just on vacation, I, I, that's one of my favorite things to do is take a pile of books and just read. And I tend to force myself to read the self-help and the business and the parenting books, but I really want to read kind of like your rom-com chick lit type books um, because they're so easy to read but a lot of times they're like so predictable and that's maybe why you know being a six and not liking the uncertainty of why I like chiclet but they're also just the the formula is the same so but I did read this book um, on vacation that I just thought was so lovely and I don't remember the author I don't know if you guys do show notes but maybe we can I can follow back up with the author but it's called the lessons in chemistry has a very chiclet cover, which I don't know if that is very indicative of what it actually is. 
but it's just such a fascinating premise. She is a chemist in the fifties and doesn't explicitly say, but she feels like she would be have Asperger's or is on the spectrum. So she, she views life very pragmatically, but through a misogynistic experience of a male dominated um, industry. And it's just how she finds love, how she finds peace, how she finds herself becoming a mother. And it was just so unpredictable, but easy to read. So interesting, but easy. It wasn't draining. And I just loved it. So lessons, lessons of chemistry. Lessons of chemistry. Awesome. Got it. I'm going to make a Very note of that. Cool. I like, I like a good chick lit every now and then too. I'm just going to say mine because it's relevant for this, for this episode. I have been watching Angels and Demons on Hulu. It is oh, a- I started watching that because you guys told me to watch it. I yeah. might've mentioned it before. I fell asleep. I almost it. said it earlier. <laughs> I'm glad you're just riveted by it. For- <laughs> oh, that's just her 40. Her 40 is showing. Yes. She does though. When it gets to a certain time, Brandy's like- you know, Cinderella's carriage, like <laughs> going to turn back into a pumpkin. It's not happening. Like don't even try because it's hard to stop for you at like nine o'clock. It's like, <laughs> but basically, I'm I sorry. Can't. so angels and demons is a show on Hulu. I was going to mention it because we were talking earlier about self image and I think our generation grew up in the generation with Victoria's Secret and then when Pink came out and it was put in our brains with these catalogs. And I remember running to the mailbox for that damn Victoria's Secret catalog when I was younger. And so it talks a lot about that and how it, our generation, we were so ingrained to feel a certain way about our bodies and how we thought our bodies should look and all the photoshopping they did to these already beautiful women. And then it does roll into some stuff about Jeffrey Epstein and his connection to Victoria's Secret. And- I saw that. It's pretty fascinating, um, despite, you know, Brandy. No, it, 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 it's not that it wasn't interesting. It, it was literally, it was that time of the evening that I hit my wall. Same thing with this other show. Extreme Home Makeover is back on Netflix with McGee and oh. Co. And I am in Studio McGee and I am obsessed with them. Obsessed. Love their design. They're just the cutest couple and the, uh, all the things. I just, I love it. I'll have to follow that one. I follow her on Instagram. I'll have to watch that show. And if you go to her, I mean, maybe do or don't go to their shop. Oh, yeah. I get, they have Studio McGee and then like McGee and Co. And everything is amazing. It's beautiful. But like a zero to it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Time for rapid fire. Erin, we have some rapid fire questions for you as we wrap up our chat. And uh, we will try to make this as quick as possible. So we have four questions for you. We ask every guest these same questions. I'm going to start with what is your go-to guilty pleasure? Something that you just can't live without you do it on a frequent basis whether it's every day or you know several times a week or something that just you can't live without it's a podcast uh the office ladies podcast so the office is like my therapy and i love to watch it every day but the uh, uh, the office ladies podcast if you guys are unaware has angela kinsey and jenna fisher or pam and angela on the show they're best friends in real life and they re- rewatch every episode. And I just find myself, I have a smile on my face throughout that whole um, podcast. And I would listen to it every day if they put one out every day, but I have to wait for Wednesday. So awesome. I think I'm subscribed to their podcast. I'll need to listen to it more. Yeah. Same. What is your favorite season and why? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I definitely think I would say spring and fall. So those transition moments when you kind of have sense and the sounds and the smells and the tastes that really kind of bring back the memories and act as like this uh, stake in the ground of, of I've got to have chili when it's fall. <laughs> and we're like, we have to have gumbo. <laughs> yep. Favorite way to spend a day off? Oh, gosh. Um, well, that would be probably waking up, having a good breakfast with lots of protein, um, getting my sweat in, hopefully either like I like heated classes. So I'd like to get my sweat and feel accomplished, maybe organize a couple rooms, maybe do a little, um, shopping by myself. Cause I don't even know what by myself feels like, or shopping in person feels like anymore. And then probably end with a massage. Oh, that sounds so dreamy. Oh, I love yes. it. Yours is very similar to mine. I know so many of us say massage, like so clearly as women in our forties, we need more massages. 
Well, you know, what's so funny. I had to have an ultrasound. I'm not pregnant. It was just, I mean, cause another older thing problem is, um, may have gallbladder issues, but I went into the ultrasound room. It was dark. Um, she had me lay on my side. She was kind of pushing on my belly with the gel. And I was like, um, this feels, I I'm so relaxed right now. I was like, How desperate do you need a massage? If an ultrasound feels like relaxation, <laughs> like, Oh, I have this quiet time all by myself in this ultrasound room. It's so nice. Last question. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? You know, what's so funny. I've been asked this like maybe three or four times lately. And, and part of me always wants to say, it's okay to fail. I mean, we can talk, we can have a whole nother episode on how our generation was driven by performance and hustle and our value is associated to what we do and what we output. And because of that, I think my younger self wasn't willing to take risks, um, saw that as a complete and utter failure. And I think missed a lot of opportunities um, because she did not go out of her comfort zone. Um, but then I think what I more realistically would tell her is, just be patient and do everything I already did because they were the best teachers for me. And I kind of had to have those experiences to, to become who I am right now. So I would just say the hardest advice for her would be just hang in there, be patient. Beautiful. Erin, this has been so good. So much fun. Thank you so much. I know. Can we just do this all day? Do I have to go to my next TikTok status <laughs> meeting? No, you, you really don't. Um, so we, so we can tell everybody where can they follow you? Yes. Yes. Well, not me. I, I, but my brand, um, Gen Z, which please know it's ironically named. You can drink the water too at, um, at drink Gen Z on Instagram and on TikTok. could be your four, four, four way into the TikTok world. I love it. And I love how you guys have it set to when they fought fo- someone follows you. I got to uh, it, you know what? It's not automatic. We have our social media manager does that herself. She legit wrote me immediately. Like we hate plastic and so do our critters. Welcome yep. to the Gen Z social media experience. I was like, thanks. This is good. <laughs> it's unlike anything you'll ever see on, on Instagram, at least. That's what we try. So thank you, Aaron. Follow Aaron at, at drink Gen Z. And I think we're going to have to have you back. This isn't, this isn't goodbye. This is just till, till later. Erin, thank you so much for your time today. Y'all are a deep pleasure. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Thanks everybody for being with us. Cheers. Thank you all so much for listening in. And as a member of our community, we want to hear from you. Follow us on social at talk forward to me podcast and share your feedback on today's topic. How is the conversation relevant in your life? And is there a topic you'd love to hear us discuss? On that note, cheers to aging gracefully, living life to the fullest, and enjoying another day with your besties in life.